This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. What the world needs now is positivity. Connecting, relating, and being human together is where it's at. Hi there, honey German, and I know life happens. But trust, you got this. And State Farm got us. It feels good knowing that State Farm agents are there to help you choose the right coverage with great support 24-7. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Looking for hair removal tools that not only deliver smooth results, but also empower you with a sense of complete control? Enter Conair Girlbomb, your secret weapons for smooth, sleek results made just for women. From the ultimate Girlbomb grip and professional-grade blades, you don't have to compromise and settle for less. Conair Girlbomb equips you with the precision and power previously reserved for men's grooming tools. So take your hair removal routine to the next level with Conair Girlbomb. Available at conairgirlbomb.com or a retailer near you. Do you think that the office jokes can kind of live in today's society? I don't know. People are watching it, and that's what ultimately is the goal. In real life, how are Kevin and Brian different? Well, first of all, I don't. Spoiler alert. I don't talk in quite the same way. <laughs> when finally Dwight gets married and then Michael shows up, I was just like, oh, my God, I started crying. Without saying anything about me, I promise you this. You were not the only one who cried. Hey, what up, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Cheekies and Chill. I'm your host, Cheekies, and we have a very exciting episode in store for you today. The person we're speaking with is a cast member of one of my favorite shows ever. So let's not waste any more time and let's jump right into it. This is Cheekies and Chill. Today's guest is someone I'm really looking forward to talking to. It's none other than Brian Baumgartner. You may know him as Kevin Malone from the Emmy Award-winning TV sitcom, The Office. Or you might know him as the host of his podcast, Off the Beat. Welcome to the show, Brian. Thank you, Cheekies. How are you? <laughs> I'm good. How are you? Good. I'm glad to be here. Thank you. I'm so excited. I cannot believe that I'm talking to you right now. Thank you so much. I'm a huge, huge fan of The Office. Honestly, I'm one of the the later fans. Like I started watching it, I want to say like about a year ago. And oh, but okay. I'm like so into it. And I everyone asks me, who's your favorite character? I'm like, it's so hard because I love you all for like different reasons. But I kind of wanted to talk about that, you know, being a part of The Office. And do you think that The Office, like a lot of the jokes that have been made can kind of live in today's society, I guess? Um, we get asked that question a lot now. I mean, look, here's the thing. We haven't filmed anything now in about eight years, mm -hmm. right? And for most of the time we were on, we were the number one show on NBC, right? So we were good, but for us, we never felt like we were like friends or something like huge billboards and ads and the cover of Vogue or whatever. Yeah. That wasn't it. However, now seven, eight years. And, and this started several years ago. 
we're currently the most watched show in television. Mm-hmm. So of all the new shows, people talk about Squid Game or Succession or or whatever it is, more people are watching The Office now than any other show in television. So part of what I have been exploring over the last couple of years is why? Mm-hmm. What happened? Like, why are more people watching it? Why do we have new fit with pe- fans like you, Cheekies? Why are yeah. you finding it now well after when we ran? And I think that the universality of the show, I mean, you know, we have one producer who just says, well, because it's funny. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, that's that's it. I think that's true. But I think that really it's about, especially during the pandemic, this time when we yes. were all sort of searching for a connection, we couldn't go out the way that we used to go out. We couldn't see our friends. If we had family across the country, we couldn't see them. And so I think that The Office became a show that people started using to find a connection mm-hmm. with people. You know, could it be made today? I, I don't know. I think there are things that might change. One of our producers, Greg Daniels, who created the show, says, you know, m- we may make fun a little bit. We may have poked more fun at the woke culture now than anything else. I don't know. Could it be made today? People are watching it, and that's what ultimately is the goal. So I don't know. I, I tend to say yes, with maybe some some joke exceptions. Yeah, (laughs) I think it's hilarious. And like you said, I just for me, it was everyone's so sensitive now, I feel, you know, and I get it to a certain extent. But for me, it's like it's acting. It's supposed to be fun. I don't know. It's just I want to think that it could be made today, you know, and like you said, you know, maybe adjusting a few things, but I think it's perfect the way it is. And I really use it as as a form of therapy. I feel like when I'm watching The Office, I could watch the same episode a thousand times and I don't get bored. I feel like I find something new every single time and it's an outlet for me and it's it's a form of therapy. And I could just sometimes even put it on as background noise when I'm doing something and I can almost finish everyone's lines. Like it makes me forget about everything going on in the world because as we know, it's been pretty tough since 2020. So it's like, that's what it's done for my heart and my mind. And this is why I'm like, I guess, yeah, I'm new, but I'm like, I don't know. I feel like, what the heck? Why did I jump on the damn bandwagon so late? Because <laughs> it makes me feel so good. <laughs> Are you surprised, though? Are you surprised that so many people like still love it? Yeah. I mean, one of the things that we've talked about is you know, we've got a lot of younger people. I mean, you know, like mm-hmm. I get stopped by 12, 13, 14-year-olds. And when we made the show, we weren't making it for that. I mean, it really was about a staple of television is like the office comedy, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like, okay, so people in offices will hopefully they'll respond to the humor and watch it. But I think that the young people was really surprising to me. And then I've come to a discovery through conversations with multiple people about this, which is that there's a correlation between an unreasonable boss mm-hmm. who makes his employees do unreasonable things while sitting next to people that you don't choose to sit next to year after year after year, mm-hmm. there's a close correlation between that and an unreasonable teacher who makes their students do unreasonable things while sitting in a classroom right. next to these people that you don't necessarily choose to sit next to. And so I think that mm-hmm. while 13, 14, 16 year old people don't have the office experience. They do have an experience of being in a confined area right? With a, with a bunch of other people with different personalities that ultimately you have to form some sort of bond with to get through day after day after day. And I think to your point, uh, that's the one of the things that's been really surprising to me that 
not to put words in your mouth, but essentially like it brings you comfort. You put it on even if you're not watching because it makes you feel good in a way. And I think that's the thing that that people miss. Michael Scott may say inappropriate things, Mm -hmm. non-PC things, things you quote unquote can't say today. Yeah. But it's always been confusing to me because the overall message is he says something and you have 13 people looking at the camera or responding in a way which is you can't say that <laughs> you can't you can't, you can't say that thing so this has always been confusing to me to me it's actually very progressive in that way it is telling you in some ways or other what you can and can't say yes we had mandatory sexual harassment seminars from NBC Universal uh-huh. right this huge conglomerate so just like if you were working in an office, we had to get sexual harassment training once a year. We had to sit in a room and sign in for their corporate whatever. And this is not a joke. This is true. In that seminar, the HR people that they would bring in to teach these seminars would show clips from the office showing what you couldn't do Stop in it. the workplace. So we're all <laughs> sitting there watching ourselves. On TV, showing, so doing what we are told we can't do, very weird Mm. thing. But anyway, I think that the (laughs) message of the show is, yeah, these are things you can't do or can't say. Yeah, like you said, like I would see Pam's face all the time and she'd look at the camera. She's like, "Uh uh-uh, like she'd nod her head like, I just can't believe you just said that. But it would make it so freaking funny. And I'm just like, guys, like I see it as, again, acting. But anywho, now let's talk about Kevin. So in real life, How are Kevin and Brian different? Are they very different? Do you guys have any similarities at all? (laughs) (laughs) Well, first of all, I don't, spoiler alert, I don't talk, I don't talk in quite the same way. So that would be a difference, I guess. I I talk a little faster. Let's say this, the basketball episode was not edited. Mm -hmm. That was me. So I guess I can shoot the rock. We're similar at that. Nice. We shot a golf episode. I play a lot of golf, so that's true, and I do like to bet on golf. That is true as well. I like to play cards, so maybe that's true as well. I know you you know music, so don't Mm -hmm. don't be alarmed here. I do not play the drums. Oh, really? I do not play the Mm. drums, but I'll tell you a funny story. I fooled Alice Cooper, which might be my greatest claim to fame. Nice. I showed up at a charity event for Alice Cooper. We're on our way. There's like a big benefit concert. And they've got, I mean, they've got tons of musicians singing and and playing instruments. And the guy goes, okay, so just so you know, you know, it's a concert and different people will sing. But Alice thought it would be really fun. The last song uh, that he's going to play is School's Out for Summer, right? School's mm-hmm. Out for Summer. Yeah. So he's like, all right, so when, when we play that, we're going to invite you on stage to play the drums. Oh my gosh. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, um, I don't want to make Mr. Cooper mad, but that's a hard no. Like I know, <laughs> I know enough that I could not fool my way through with a bunch of legendary musicians playing the drums on that song. So yeah, I turned into a little bad background singer. I did come up and do some background <laughs> singing, but uh, yeah, no, I do not play the drums. Okay, nice. Are you married, Brian? I am married. Yes. So that's a difference. Because I know Kevin didn't have, or he had girlfriends, right? He did. We started with a fiance 
Yes, we started who with Who left. Mm-hmm. And then there was periodically a couple of other relationships. But Brian's very much married. And you've been married for how long, Brian? Uh, eight years. Nice. Okay. So right after like you finished with the office. No, I guess we were, I guess, no, we were. St- oh, yes, that's right. Yes, that's right. Okay. That's right. Sorry, together I didn't mean longer. to be nosy, but. <laughs> no, 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 together, together longer. That's why the math, I was like, no, that didn't happen. Yes, but anyway. So, so what made you want to be on the show? Like, did you want to audition for Kevin's role specifically, or did you just audition? How did that work? No, I, I was aware, there was a British version of the show first, and there was a character in the British version, his name was Keith, that they kind of you know, they kind of took that character. So most of the characters in the office were not taken. So they really, um, Michael and Dwight and Jim and Pam Mm -hmm. and Ryan and Kevin were really the only characters that had a British counterpart that came over. So that's sort of where it started. And I knew that they were looking for unknown people. And at the time I, I just moved to Los Angeles. I had been doing theater around the country. So I was, I was not known. And so I knew, I knew that was a part I could play and I knew they were looking for unknown people. And so, no, I sought it out. I worked to get an audition in a meeting, but ultimately, yeah, I just, I just auditioned. Okay. And how did you prepare for the role of Kevin? I mean, I had been working, like I said, in the theater and for me, voice, physicality, those were all a part of creating a character. I mean, I had I had gone to school, I had studied acting, and and I wasn't really a comedy guy per se. I mean, I did a lot of dra- dramas and usually really bad bad guys. Really? Yeah. I can't yeah. even see you as a bad guy. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. That's what people say now. It's crazy, but yeah. I mean, I, I certainly I had done some comedy, but it wasn't mm-hmm. like I was a a stand up guy or an improv guy working really just in comedy. So for me, in terms of creating the role, yeah, that was just what I saw. And then in in working with the writers, we kind of fine-tuned him a little bit. But yeah, the the physicality and the voice and all of that was was for me about creating a character. Nice. Were you one of the writers on the show? No, I directed, but I I wasn't a writer. The thing I tell people, because there were a lot of, if you don't know, there were a lot of actors who were writers on The Office. Mm -hmm. The way that you know is if you were in the main room, oh. the people in the main room weren't writers because we, they mostly filmed in the in the main room. So the people who sat back by the break room in the annex, those were the writers. So uh-huh. Mindy Kaling, who played Kelly, and Paul yes. Lieberstein, who played Toby, and uh, BJ, BJ Novak, Novak right? who played mm-hmm. Ryan. Yeah, they were all back there. So they could be writing and not filming as much. Uh, and that was because they, they needed to write. Yeah, so there were times when I wanted to just choke Ryan. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> there were times that I'm just yeah. like, <laughs> but he was hilarious. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I love sharing positive tips with my listeners on everything from health challenges to relationship troubles. Because life happens, baby, but you got this. Hi there. 
I'm Honey German, and I know we can all use some positive energy these days. That's why I make sure to empower my community, because a bit of motivation and support can go a long way. And luckily, we have State Farm to support us. Like when you talk to a State Farm agent to choose the coverage you need, and they have the options to protect the things you value most. It's the perfect positive tip you need. State Farm is also a big supporter of the My Cultura podcast network, where we as podcast hosts get to share our experiences and stories. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Listen to new episodes of your favorite My Cultura shows wherever you listen to podcasts. My name is Johnny B. Good, and I'm the host of the new podcast, Creating a Con, the story of BitCon. Over this nine-part series, I'll explore the life and crimes of my best friend, Ray Trapani. I always wanted to be a criminal. If someone's like, oh, what's your best way of making money? I'm like, oh, we should start some sort of scheme. You see, Ray has this unique ability to find loopholes and exploit them. They collected $30 million. There were headlines about it. His company, Centratech, was one of the hottest crypto startups in 2017. It was going to change the world, until it didn't. I came into my office, opened my email, and the subject heading was FBI request. It was only a matter of time before the truth came out. You can only fake it till you make it for so long before they find out that your Harvard degree is not so crimson. How could you sit there and do something that you know will objectively cause more harm in the world? Listen to Creating a Con, the story of BitCon, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. So then Michael Scott leaves, and I'm going to be honest, okay? When Michael Scott left, I was like, I don't know if I want to watch anymore because it's like he was so huge. Like it's never going to be the same. And I got into the show because of my boyfriend. He's a huge Office fan. I'm like huge. And I was like, okay. I was like, I don't know. He's like, no, you have to watch it. You have to watch it. So I watched it and I fell in love all over again. I felt like, oh my God, like everyone came together and did such a wonderful job. Like it got to a point where I didn't even miss Michael. But then you watch it again and we started it over again. And I'm like, oh, this is why I love it, you know, but. How did you guys feel when Michael said, okay, he had to go? I mean, it was, it was devastatingly hard. Yeah. It was really hard. I mean, because again, we were all, including Steve, the people who watched the show more recently, Steve Carell is a big star, right? Like, I mean, when you watch the show, it's the Steve Carell show. But you know, at the time, nobody was famous. Nobody was known. 40 year old virgin didn't come out until our second season. And that's really Mm -hmm. when he went bonkers. So we all kind of grew up together and the show struggled in the beginning in terms of getting fans. And so, you know, we all just sort of bonded together. So when he left, it really was like one of the gang is gone and kind of the papa is gone. And the thing you have to know also is, is that as much of an amazing creation that Michael Scott is, Steve Carell is a, is a better guy um, than, than even that, that creation. So we Mm -hmm. were we were losing kind of an amazing character, not just in our show, but in my opinion, in the history of television. But we're also missing like our leader, our friend, who right. who we had all kind of grown up with in the industry. So it was really tough. I think in terms of for us moving forward, he's talked very publicly about why he left. I mean, he was the central story for seven years and he felt like he wanted the character to have a journey from having his family 
be the office mm -hmm. to maturing and growing enough as a human being to be able to have his own family right. and someone that he, he fell in love with. So that journey had happened. And after yeah. that, he felt like it was, it was just time. It was time for him to go. So we all felt like there were parts of the other characters that now we just had more time to tell once he mm -hmm. was gone. And so that was really what our, our focus became was, was just further exploring the other characters that were left. Yeah, you guys did amazing with it because I really thought it's going to be just way too different, you know. And when I got around to watching it and I'm like, no, everyone came together and did an amazing effing job. I was like this. I loved it. I was like, OK, well, Michael's not here. And I did, kind of just forgot. But I mean, I love him. And I, I think that Steve Carell is just an amazing human being and actor. But I, I was wondering about that because I was like, I felt it. I, I cried. I was like, when he left, I was like, what the heck is going on? <laughs> but I think that that's that's big of him, too, of, of saying, you know what? Sometimes we do have to accept like this is good for this season of my life. And now I'm moving on to the next phase. And he did it both for himself and the character, you know, so I think it worked out fairly nicely. I'm sure it was difficult, but. Yeah, I mean, and and look, I mean, and I, I'm not trying to undercut any of that because that is the truth. But by the same token, the fact that he was there producing or, you know, acting in almost 30 episodes a year yeah. after he became kind of the largest comedy star on the planet after 40 year old virgin and the movies that, that he did and the opportunities that he had, the fact that he stayed around, you know, his contract was for seven years. Right. Everybody else over time extended their contracts. He lived out his contract. He didn't leave. You know, that was the thing is he didn't really leave. He did his job. Mm -hmm. He did it the whole time he was there. He loved it. He's talked a lot about it. He and I talked for my podcast ab about that transition for him. But the fact that he stayed that long mm -hmm. after what he had become really like at the beginning of our second season it is also really just like a credit to him as a human being. Absolutely. That he didn't just say like, okay, guys, I'm, I'm good now. Thank you so much. And I'm going to go, you know, do the next Ghostbusters or whatever. <laughs> no, he, he, he was a man of his word. He said, this is my contract. I'm going to live it through. And, and, you know, he gave his best. I mean, I'm sure it yeah. was, it was a lot of work because he was doing everything all at once. Um, yeah. are you guys still friends? Oh yeah. I mean, you know, we just like everybody, right? I mean, there's been time. A lot of people don't live in the same city anymore. Um, mm -hmm. people have kind of moved around the country and obviously the pandemic seeing, but, um, yeah. you know, I tell people we, we have a, a group text Aww. that we use, uh, fairly often and then That's awesome. you know <laughs> some of us get together oscar and i uh tomorrow morning are going to oklahoma city to do something together so you know there's different things that happen and yeah That's awesome tell yeah. oscar i said hi i will <laughs> i will he's like who is that chick but anyways <laughs> I, I i love oscar he's freaking awesome okay so tell me life after the office it finished what in, tw in 2013 correct yeah that's about right yep did you take some time off yeah. I mean, I'll be honest, like no one should cry for any of us, but you know, most help, well, and especially now, right? I mean, most of the shows you start watching are nine episodes or 10 or even the network television shows were 2022 20, and we were doing 30. So, I mean, we were working almost year round. You know, the other thing people don't realize is, is that it's, it's 12 to 14 hours a day on set. I mean, just in terms of, of the amount of time. So that's 60, 70 hours a week. There was just very little time for anything else in addition to the other kind of requirements that go along with doing a show, press, and so forth. So, yeah, I think I think I took some time and also 
became very strategic in terms of the types of roles that I wanted to play. You know, I wanted to be sure to make decisions to do different things and started doing more in the film space and in the drama television space, as uh, I talked about before. So and then, you know, really the last couple of years, I've, I've almost returned in a way because of the phenomenon that The Office became. I, I kind of became the historian in a way, myself and Ben Silverman. We wrote a book. You're now speaking to a New York Times bestselling author. Welcome to Dunder Mifflin, Yay! if you haven't checked that out. We <laughs> put a bunch of never before seen photos in there and kind of went back and wow. and retold the story of the show and and how it came to be. And really, quite frankly, I think for fans like you that found the show later to really try to go back and say like, yeah, Steve Carell, he was not a, nobody knew who Rain Wilson was or Jenna Fisher or John Krasinski. You know, Jenna Fisher was about to quit the business and move on to do something else when this happened. So it was a lot about that. So I've really enjoyed now after some time going back and, and re-exploring it again. And I'm having a lot of fun. So did your book come first and then your podcast? No, the podcast came first. So I went back and talked to my old friends and did a bunch of interviews and ended up with um, over 100 hours of interviews wow. from just office folks and sort of took that and photos and turned that into a book. And, and now I enjoy doing the podcast stuff so much. The sort of new iteration, it's called Off the Beat. Yeah. Tell us about it. So I'm going back and talking to other entertainers, people in television, people in movies. We're going to talk to people in music and people in uh, sports eventually. But, you know, just wanting to tell the stories that have never been heard before. So today's episode, John Hamm from Mad Men came out. I've talked to Eric Stone Street from Modern Family and Jamie Lynn Siegler from The Sopranos. And so you know these stars from certain shows mm-hmm. or entertainment, but I'm really wanting to hear the story that, that we don't know. That's the story, and I'm calling them those off-the-beat moments. We all know those, you know, winning Emmys or mm-hmm. Mad Men, but, but how did John Hamm get the role of Don Draper in Mad Men? And I mean, here's a crazy yeah. story I'll tell you. He was Ellie Kemper, right? So Ellie Kemper, mm-hmm. who played yeah. Aaron Hannon in The Office and Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. John Hamm was her high school drama teacher. No way. What the heck? How crazy is that? How <gasps> crazy is that? Yeah. And so we discover this on your podcast, Off the Beat. Yeah. So then years later, I say, well, do you keep in touch with her? Like, she's a high school student. Like, do you, do you, <laughs> you know, and... uh he said, yeah, you know, off and on, I remembered her. She, you know, obviously she was good and talented. And then years later, when she started Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, they called John mm-hmm. and said, want to play this role in this movie? So it's like this weird, the high school drama teacher yeah. becomes <laughs> the guest star. And he was making jokes. Like he was like talking to me about coming and playing this part. And he's like, well, I don't know if I have time to do it. And they're like, um, it's like one episode a year. And he's like oh, you're not even offering me the lead. Like I'm her teacher <laughs> and now I'm going to play full. like a, what? Yeah. Anyway, so I'm having a blast doing that. I love podcasting because I feel like you just, I don't know, it's, I don't have to get like all ready and stuff. You know, eventually I want to get into like the visual part of it, like some video, but for now I'm really enjoying it. It's, it's a form of, again, of therapy for me. 
Yeah, I love the form. I mean, you know, the thing I tell people is if you just say late night television, right? You think, oh, well, they talked to John Hamm last week. Yeah, they talked to him for eight minutes with a commercial break in the middle. Like, they didn't really talk about anything. They talked about Mm -hmm. whatever project he has coming on right now, maybe one Mad Men joke, and then, you know, we're on to the next person. I think this form allows you to have substantive conversations and begin to have and find a relationship with a person that that you can't sort of get in Mm -hmm. that other form. So I'm really enjoying it. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I often get asked why I'm such a big fan of wrestling. And it's all thanks to my grandma. Growing up, we would watch matches together, and that bond turned me into a lifelong fan. Hi, I'm Freddie Prince Jr., and on my podcast, Wrestling with Freddie, we know how important it is to have the right teammate, because things can get pretty tricky quick. So, when things get complicated and you need help, State Farm gives you options. They show you what's possible for ensuring what matters to you. One of the things that matters to me sharing memories, and revisiting wrestling's greatest moments. And with State Farm's support of the Michael Tura Podcast Network, I get to do just that. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Listen to new episodes of your favorite Michael Tura shows wherever you listen to podcasts. My name is Johnny B. Good, and I'm the host of the new podcast, Creating a Con, the story of BitCon. Over this nine-part series, I'll explore the life and crimes of my best friend, Ray Trapani. I always wanted to be a criminal. If someone's like, oh, what's your best way of making money? I'm like, oh, we should start some sort of scheme. You see, Ray has this unique ability to find loopholes and exploit them. They collected $30 million. There were headlines about it. His company, Centratech, was one of the hottest crypto startups in 2017. It was going to change the world, until it didn't into my office, opened my email, and the subject heading was FBI request. It was only a matter of time before the truth came out. You can only fake it till you make it for so long before they find out that your Harvard degree is not so crimson. How could you sit there and do something that you know will objectively cause more harm in the world? Listen to Creating a Con, the story of BitCon, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I have a Q&A. Are you down to do that with me right now? I'm down. Let's go. Who's your favorite character on The Office? Kevin Malone. That's right. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, I do think, however, in terms of just character, that Michael Scott is amazing. The character of Dwight Schrute yeah, is... Dwight. Just the character, everything about him, the dichotomies within himself, that he's a anime-loving, transam driving mm-hmm. heavy metal, <laughs> listening, like chess playing. Nothing makes sense to it, but I, I think it's genius. 
See, that's the thing. I loved, I love all of you guys at different times. So I just, I can't pinpoint one. I really, really, yeah. really can't. Even like Todd Packer, sometimes uh-huh. I was just like, oh my God, I want to just choke him too. But then he's freaking funny. So I'm like, yeah. I don't know. I can't choose one. <laughs> so, I mean, someone just came up to me the other day on the street and was talking about their favorite moment of the show. And I said, what was it? Uh-huh. And that's a crazy thing. I get so many, but they were like, oh, when Todd Packer makes the cupcakes and oh you guys gosh, are yes. laced and you and Andy go into that like trip scene. I'm like, oh yeah, that was so Everyone much fun was to so do. That was so, was so much fun. That was so fun. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There are so many moments like that. I love it. Yeah. That's one of the times I was like, oh my God, I don't like this guy, but I love him. It's the, yeah. you know, love and hate relationship. <laughs> right. um, okay. So who's your favorite actor on the show? Oh, I can't answer that, but I will tell you this. I've said it many times. The funniest person off screen is Oscar Nunez. Really? Oscar Nunez is the funniest. (gasps) Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Okay, I love Oscar. I have a question, actually. Okay, so Phyllis, I hear that she was, was it she was a, like, she was trying to find cast or what's the, what's the deal with Phyllis? She was a casting director. Yeah, she was the assistant casting director on the, on the office. And what happens oftentimes Allison Jones, who's a genius and has cast basically every comedy that anyone who's listening to has ever liked. Allison Jones is the casting director. And so a lot of times they're like, you know, talking to the producers and doing stuff when people are reading. And Phyllis was the person who read with us, mm-hmm. right? So like, imagine if I'm auditioning and I have a scene with Angela or something. So yeah. she's reading Angela's lines off camera while I'm auditioning for the role. And the director, Ken Quapas told stories they would have these long sessions and so forth and he found himself that he kept looking over at phyllis and he's like (laughs) like couldn't and he was like to the detriment of like probably some of the actors who auditioned he just couldn't stop watching phyllis and eventually went to greg and was like she has to work here and so that was how the character of phyllis was created that's crazy Wow. Yeah. My boyfriend was telling me that. I was like, I don't believe you. He's like, I swear. Ask, ask Kevin. <laughs> yeah. She, I was like, I'm well, going to ask. <laughs> and not to like sell the podcast, but she and I had a long conversation in which I learned that all of that is true. But more than that, when we started filming, she felt self-conscious because she wasn't an improviser. She wasn't an actor and she felt mm-hmm. like she was behind and was afraid she wasn't being good. And so she would leave work And she went and picked up books on improv and at night would read books on improv as we started shooting the show. Yes. She told me that. I had no idea. No idea. How cute is she? And I thought she was so awesome. I was like, I I really thought she was an actor. And she's freaking like, I wanted to always just hug her and have her bake cookies for me. And I'm just like, she's, I didn't even know that. That's, that's so great. So she was like, I want to be great at this. And she was. Yeah. So the chili scene was a very popular scene for Kevin. What's your favorite scene or episode? I mean, uh, it really changes the series of episodes where Kevin meets Holly. Uh-huh. In terms of <laughs> of playing that, that was really fun. That was really yeah. fun. Yeah, that was a cool moment, and how she thought you were um, special Slow. or something. Yes. Yeah, yes, that's right. <laughs> she would speak to you. I was like, "That's right." Oh my gosh, the one I loved was when you gave Michael was looking for a girlfriend, and you gave him Wendy's number, and it was yeah, Wendy's, Wendy's, Wendy's the fast. Yeah. Oh my god, hilarious! <laughs> yeah, I love that. That and also, oh. 
can you please do it about the cats when you said, no, you're not supposed to eat cats, Kevin. <laughs> you can't eat cats. You can't eat cats, Kevin. <laughs> yeah. I loved it. Oh, my God. I have so many. Oh, and then the very last one, when finally Dwight gets married to Angela and then Michael shows up. I was like, oh, my God. When Jim said, you know, I can't be your best man. And like he comes and I was just like, oh, my God. I started crying. Beautiful. Yeah. I promise you this without saying anything about me. I promise you yeah. this. <laughs> you were not the only one who cried. Oh, I. Oh, my gosh. You Did you cry? Brian? I not I'm Kevin, not answering that. I'm just letting you know for sure you weren't the only one. Yeah, Dude, I was bawling. I was like, this is perfect. I just felt like it all just came together. And he didn't even talk much. He just stayed like behind and let everyone else do their thing. And it was just so beautiful. I was bawling. I've watched it like three times already. I think I probably watched. I mean, I'd cry again. <laughs> <laughs> so what's something you think the audience got wrong about Kevin? Well, I can tell you this. There became a very popular Reddit chain, which was that Kevin was secretly a genius, and he was embezzling money from Dunder Mifflin. Shut it. And that's how he got the bar. And they go through, and they talk about a bunch of examples about his gambling and how he gets the money and blah, 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 blah. I don't think that's right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so that's a fan theory. With all of the evidence they have, I don't, I don't think they're right about that. Now that we're talking about that, there was some type of serial killer, right? I forgot his name. And they thought it was Creed. Yes. They thought that maybe it was Creed or something like yes. that. Did we, we never got to the bottom of that, did we? No. But I'll tell you this. Every, it's, and not only every like Q&A show where people are allowed to ask questions – not only do people always ask about the Scranton Strangler, that's the name you were there looking you go. for. It's almost always one of the first questions, which is who is the Scranton Strangler? And I think they're saying they're doing it now to kind of mess with me. Let me tell you this. For those of you who would have that same question right now, I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love don't. it. <laughs> and nobody cares. And that's the thing is that Getting Toby on jury duty mm -hmm. was an excuse to bring in the character of Holly for Michael to fall in love with. I mean, that's really what happened. And people are so obsessed with, and they're talking about, was it Toby? Is it Creed? To my knowledge, that was never discussed ever in the writer's room. So I guess whatever anybody else thinks is what it is, because I don't have any better answer. <laughs> yeah, Creed, I, I love his little comments here and there. They're just, they're great. So what do you miss? Do you miss anything about being on the show? Oh, I mean, I love the show. I mean, I was a huge fan of the show. I love that we ended it when we did because we ended it with a full story told, meaning we shot this documentary and then it eventually aired and we got to see what happened after it aired. And, mm -hmm. you know, I think if we'd gone on any longer, we were going to start losing more and more people and the show wouldn't have been the same. And so I'm, I feel really fortunate about that. But I, I think, you know, in terms yeah. of, of what I miss most, it's just spending time with those people. Do you think you'd ever do another sitcom? Oh, if it was the right thing. It, it would have to be the right thing with the right character. Okay. So what's next? What's next for Brian? Uh, you know, that's a great question. I had filmed sort of beginning or before early pandemic. I had a couple of movies that 
came out fairly recently and that was a lot of fun. I wrote this book and mm-hmm. I'm doing the podcast and doing work here and there when it comes up. I did the uh, a new animated show on Netflix. I have a voice of, of a bear in that uh, trash truck. So I, I'm keeping busy and am really, really happy. Good. That makes me happy that you're happy. Thank That's you. good. And I'm honestly so grateful that I was able to talk to you. And I'm going to go watch The Office right after this again. <laughs> um, <laughs> and just thank you so much, Brian. And, and yes, you guys, check out his podcast, Off the Beat. I usually end all of my podcasts with a uh, motivational quote. Okay, perfect. I need you to motivate me, Cheekies. Yes, I got you. Here you guys go. All endings are also beginnings. We just don't know it at the time. I'm one to think that like, don't get sad when something ends because there's something in giving you the chance and opportunity for something else to start in your life. So there you have it, you guys. Um, Thank you so much for listening in. Please share your social media, Brian. My social media, everything is BB Baumgartner at Instagram, at Twitter. I have one TikTok video i was like i'm gonna get on tiktok now and i don't do it It, it's it's very time consuming tiktoks are something else during the pandemic i was killing it on tiktok and then after (laughs) i just started getting busy again and i'm just like f it i i just can't it's like a lot of work yeah bb baumgartner (laughs) yeah Yeah. all right awesome (laughs) well there you guys have it thank you so much for listening and tuning in to another episode of cheekies and chill this is an amazing one you guys i love you guys so much and besitos a todos This is a production of iHeartRadio and My Cultura Podcast Network. Follow us on Instagram at My Cultura Podcasts and follow me, Chiquis, that's C-H-I-Q-U-I-S. For more podcasts from iHeart, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Tengo diabetes. Yo, asma. Estamos en riesgo de contraer la neumonía neumocócica. 19 años o más con afecciones crónicas como asma, diabetes, EPOC o enfermedad cardíaca o tienes 65 años o más, estás en mayor riesgo de contraer la neumonía neumocócica. Pregunta a tu médico o farmacéutico sobre Prevnar 20, una vacuna de Pfizer que puede ayudar a proteger contra la neumonía neumocócica con una sola dosis. Aunque te hayas vacunado previamente con otras vacunas contra la neumonía, Prevnar 20 puede ayudar a proveer protección adicional. Prevnar 20 está aprobada para adultos para ayudar a prevenir infecciones de 20 cepas de la bacteria que causa la neumonía neumocócica. La aprobación continua puede depender de un estudio de apoyo. No uses Prevnar 20 si has tenido una reacción alérgica grave a la vacuna o a sus componentes. Los adultos con sistemas inmunitarios debilitados pueden tener una respuesta reducida a la vacuna. Los efectos secundarios incluyen dolor e hinchazón en el área de la inyección, fatiga, dolor de cabeza, dolor muscular y en las coyunturas. Para obtener la información para la prescripción completa, llama al 1-855-213-213 there are a lot of things that matter to me family community culture and peace of mind hi it's Wilmer Valderrama and when balancing life I have to say nothing brings more comfort than having support and when it comes to ensuring those things that matter to you the most 
State Farm offers the support with an agent available in person or on the phone to discuss your coverage options. Support when you need it, however you choose. That's State Farm's way. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.